Hey, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Three Dudes Reviews featuring Mike, Terry, and Fox. Hey, we're back with another sick movie review for you guys, I guess. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sick in some ways, maybe more than others. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're continuing on our murder mystery um, genre of movies. And uh, first one we did was Prisoners. And we all gave that pretty good reviews. But our second movie we were doing is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Now we're doing the um, David Fincher version, the U.S. version, not the Swedish version, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole trilogy was even done in Sweden. So this movie was released in uh, 2011 and um, it's directed by David Fincher. Um, and it stars Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara as the two main characters. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has 86% tomato meter and 86% audience score. So that's the exact same. Whoa. You don't see that very often. And then on IMDb, it's got a 7.8 out of 10 and a 71 Metascore. So it's pretty pretty decently rated all around. Everybody's giving it in that 7 to 8 range. Yeah, that's very consistent. So I guess kind of a synopsis of this, just real quick, is we have this journalist. Um, his name's uh, Mikael, and he's played by Daniel Craig. And he's kind of been disgraced about an article he wrote that um, he got sued, right? Yeah, for libel. And it got fought in court, and he lost. And so he's kind of been a little disgraced, and he meets this uh, older guy named Henrik Vonger, who wants him to solve a 40-year-old mystery and find his, um, it's his granddaughter, right, who went missing? Grandniece. Grandniece. Yep. Who went missing. He thinks she's dead, and he wants to figure out who killed her. And so he sends him on this this quest to figure it out, gives him all these materials. And so Daniel Craig um, hooks up, literally, <laughs> with uh, this, this other character we have in here, uh, played by Rooney Mara, uh, Elizabeth, who is kind of like this computer cracker hacker um girl who's got a troublesome past and they work together to solve this mystery yep yeah and the what's his face the the great uncle is like suspects one of his family members because all the family lives on the same island so he kind of like entered he's under the guise that this is some sort of um what a biography an autobiography yeah that's his cover story although i feel like i would get very suspicious if all this guy ever asked me about was this missing person (laughs) (laughs) which i do feel like daniel craig asks about that and nothing else that is true he asks a lot of people about it but uh i guess what do you what do you guys think about this movie i enjoy this film it's uh it's a little different from the book i love the book as well but um i think they did a good job of capturing what they did do from the book in that there's a little bit of a plot before and after this uh part of the novel there's like a lead up to him being sued with libel in the novel and then a pretty long follow-up after the uh, conclusion of the film in the novel in fact this is almost like a extended side story in the novel. What? The murder? So in the novel, it's really about Lisbeth, not a uh, Mikael Blomqvist really at all. So this is like kind of like a side story almost that kind of detracts her away from her life goals and mission for um, you know, the majority of the book, but it's still uh yeah, it's a little it's portrayed differently in the film, but they still captured it well, I think. I mean, it does kind of feel like a side thing for her cuz she doesn't show up till like they don't actually meet each other till like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Which is interesting. I was kind of waiting. I was like, when are these two going to connect? It's like she related to the family somehow or like, I don't know. But yeah, they, they end up meeting. And 
and seem to get along <laughs> quite a bit, maybe. <laughs> they definitely enjoy each other's company. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like Daniel Craig's like the main guy in this rather than... Um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. I never read the book, so I didn't know that that was, it was supposed to be any other way. I, I really think it works fine in this film adaptation, especially before I knew they were considering a sequel. As a standalone film, I think it probably works better that way even. I honestly thought that this uh, movie could make a very good TV series. David Fincher's been kind of in the, the TV market these days with uh, House of Cards and Mindhunter. I think this would, like, if he extended this out to, like, an eight-episode season... Oh, yeah. That'd be, like, perfect. Because, like... There's a ton of characters in this movie, like suspects and stuff, but I don't really feel like I ever know who anybody is except for one guy who's like the uncle's brother, I guess. His grandnephew? Yeah. He's like the only guy I really feel like I get to know. And the rest is like, who's this person? Are we supposed to like this guy or not? I know there's like a few Nazis in the family. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if they had more time, they could like, you know, get to know everybody a little bit more, take their time with it. Yeah, develop it out. Mm -hmm. Like I got to say, so I, I started out seeing this film back in 2011, and then I read the book. And then this time around, it really seemed actually, I didn't realize how fast paced the film felt this time around. Like What? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I mean, after reading the book, though, it's like, you know, like you meet like, all these zany characters and they get like three minutes on screen before they move on to the next one. And I'm like, there's whole, like a whole two chapters devoted to that conversation in the book. <laughs> so wait, you, you said this felt fast paced. Yeah. Like after reading the book. Oh man. Okay. Before the book. I mean, it was, yeah, very much like a slow burn mystery. Okay. So I read probably three fourths of the book and I hated it and I put it down, but I looked up the ending cause I wanted to know how to end it. But this movie felt so slow to me. That's fair. Not like, not like a bad thing, you know, but like it was very slow paced. Yeah. It took its time with like everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is how I felt the first time around for sure. I think I was telling TV that I was comparing it to prisoners of it and like prisoners had that constant tension throughout like it, it was a long movie and it felt long but it had some kind of driving like tension behind it yeah this one really didn't have that kind of emotional connection to it i feel like it's definitely not as intense and powerful as prisoners yeah i guess because our main characters aren't really necessarily 100 percent connected with the mystery they're trying to solve whereas in prisoners it's his own daughter that's kidnapped yeah, that goes back to the, the subject matter that both these movies cover is strikingly different, but it's just this one felt very slow to me and there wasn't a very driving force until maybe the last 40 minutes, I think. And then, well, maybe not even the last 40, like before 20 minutes before it ended back to back 40 minutes from that. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. It doesn't feel very tense until like he talks with the, the culprit of who's been doing it. And that's when it starts to like, you're like, oh, like the tension really like just kind of shoots up and it does such a good job with how they interact with each other and how they're talking. And Dave Fincher does a good job with these creepy monsters, I guess. You know, I, I think uh, this one kind of plays to a different audience than like Prisoners might. It's kind of reminiscent of like classic mystery, like some kind of Agatha Christie, you know, Miss Marple, Hercule Poirot kind of deal where it's like it's pretty you know slow clue building up until the end where the hero walks into the villain's trap and suddenly everything is revealed and it's yeah very tense then yeah you're, you're right about that that is kind of exactly how it turns out <laughs> you walk right <laughs> into him and it's like uh-oh i want to go back to something you said terry that how david fincher is so good 
at directing these dialogue scenes between your protagonist and then a character who's like super demented and twisted and messed up. But like they think they're normal and they think that you're the protagonist is the weird guy kind of. It's it's a weird dynamic between the characters and he's so good at filming those scenes. Yeah, I think he really captures the the difference in mindsets with those how like a sane person would talk to somebody and how an insane person would like try to rationalize his actions and stuff like that. It's just like so interesting that kind of back and forth discussion. And I mean that's definitely my favorite part of this movie is I mean it happens in like the last 30 minutes and it's just that discussion between the two of them that was my favorite part of this movie hands down yeah it's very much the climax of the film yeah it's really like the payoff moment for sure like all this like the leads and stuff like who's who all coming together to to this guy all the slow stuff kind of builds to that moment and that moment's really cool but then again i don't know if the slow stuff definitely you know makes it worth it for me which I'm sure we'll get into. I would just say that it'd be nice. Yeah, with like, with a T, te- I just feel like there's not enough time. I honestly wish this movie was longer because all the culprits, like, we stick with one culprit for like a scene and then we move on and we never see him again. <laughs> and we go to the next culprit and it's like, well, I guess that guy's not going to be an issue. And <laughs> it's just, if they would have had like and more moments together, you know, with everybody talking with each other, interviewing, kind of getting the whole family dynamic so I know who is who, who, how are they related to this guy, how are they related to this guy. That'd be nice. You know, while you don't know who the villain is, it's uh, very apparent that certain characters get a lot more screen time than other characters. <laughs> Yeah, like, I didn't know who it was the first time I watched it, but looking back, it's like, well, he really was the only guy that was, like, hanging around with everybody else the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of dynamics and facets to this movie. Like, you try and get in the backstory of Daniel Craig's character. You try and get in some backstory and some character development for Elizabeth's character. And then you try and throw in a huge mystery on top of all that. And then you put in the dynamic and relationship between Elizabeth and Daniel Craig. That was a weird addition that is less present in the book, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I didn't really like how they just kind of quote-unquote fall in love, I guess. I don't know. It just seemed weird, like out of left field. I kind of liked him more as like a a mentor and a uh, whatever, an assistant kind of role instead of a weirdly romantic, but also having that same dynamic as well. I think they chose the wrong kind of, I guess, parts of each character's backstory in regards to that. Like Daniel Craig's character is kind of portrayed as a hero and like a good, you know, fighting the man, got principles and morals. But in the book, they're really like, you know, he's not like a good dude. You know, he cheated on his wife for years, ruined his marriage. He's kind of a drunk. He sleeps around a bit. (laughs) Like he's a character. He's not really a hero, so to speak. And I feel like this movie kind of makes you think he's going to be like a hero because he does not like, yeah, doesn't really fall in love with her. He's just like, oh, hook up. All right. Yeah, I thought he was going to like you know, be like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep this professional. But nope, he is <laughs> open arms willing for this. It's like, uh. And like, I don't want to say it's like that stereotypical, like very European thing, you know? <laughs> like you always see that in <laughs> European <laughs> films. But <laughs> So th- there's a lot of stuff they try and put into this movie. And like some things kind of don't get as developed as they probably should be. And other things get developed when they probably shouldn't. You know, there's a mix. There's a lot going on. It's not enough time. But it's a long movie. 
too. I know. <laughs> yeah, so. Like, it was already so long that I don't necessarily want it to be extended, but to get the full story, it's like, come on, I don't know these people. They made some weird choices, I guess, in that regard. Like, I, they thought they were going to make a sequel of a girl who played with fire, which is the next book, and now they're not. <laughs> so I think they had some setup planned. That's not going to pan out now. Like, I remember in the book, like, the book moves kind of slow, too, I thought. But maybe that's just because I didn't like it. But the book definitely moves really slow. It's it's weird because I kind of like that it takes its time. But it also seems like in the, the movie and the book, the second act just takes so long to get through. There's... Too much time to breathe there, I think. It's just I think it's just a tough thing to adapt, probably. Like because if you leave something out, then maybe it makes the mystery too easy, or maybe I don't know, something essential later on we have to cut that too. Cause yeah, if they started cutting out some of those like interviews and stuff, and it's like, well, obviously <laughs> this guy's the killer because who have we met? <laughs> the guy who hired him and then this other guy. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think they should have spent less time focusing on uh, the romance of the characters and then some kind of hints at what's going on in Lisbeth's personal life that really doesn't come into play until the second book. Yeah, I was I was interested in her like life. I kind of liked her like punk rock aesthetic and stuff. Oh, that was really cool. I kind of wish the movie would have focused more on her instead of Daniel Craig's character. I mean, it it gives a good balance, but like Daniel Craig is definitely the main character in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, and his character's not as interesting as Lisbeth's character, but we have to have Daniel Craig's character to get the mystery backstory. It's it's a hard decision, you know. What do you what do you leave in? What do you cut? Do you try and keep it all and just not fully develop something and I don't know. I was surprised like I guess I only envisioned Daniel Craig as like James Bond, but he he's got some pretty good acting chops here, I think. Oh man, I love Daniel Craig. Yeah, he's not bad. And this movie he reminded me a lot of uh what was that guy's name? Martin Freeman? Oh, really? Yeah, like his style, like I was like they could have got Martin Freeman to play this role and it like I was just surprised that, yeah, Daniel Craig could, like, switch to, like, such a, a different, like, voice, I guess, since I've only seen him as James Bond, really. So, he lost, like, 25 pounds, I think, for this role. He, he gained 25, because he, he was, like, kind of in shape and a little buff for Bond, and then he gained a bunch of weight and stopped working out for this. Nice. That's the role I want when they make me, uh... Stop working out, gain some weight. That's that's the dream role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, they didn't, like, make him do that. He just did it himself because he's like, you know, a journalist wouldn't be super buff, you know? So he kind of uh, adapted into the role a little bit. And uh, the girl, what's her name? Um, Bruni Mara? Is that- Bruni Mara, yeah. But she got the piercings, for real. Yeah, she, like went nuts was like not like nuts like crazy but really delved into the character like she was eating very little got the piercings was really getting into that character let's let's talk about her like her character's interesting but i don't know if i liked rooney mara as her a lot like she did okay she did good i think but I don't know. Something about her attitude just kind of seemed a little off from what I got in the book. I I really like her as Lisbeth, actually. I, I mean, not having read the books, I I really liked her. I thought she did a really good job. Uh, it seemed, I mean, I can see what you're saying. She seemed kind of awkward and 
weird something seemed off but i think that's kind of her character she is like off yeah yeah that's definitely how she is i don't know it's kind of hard for me to explain but just something seemed a little off for me about it. like she did great she did a really good job but i don't know i don't know it's just kind of weird something seemed off to me about the way she played the character. I mean, between the two of them, I definitely, I, I liked her, I think, better than Craig. I mean, I love Daniel Craig, but I, I do feel like uh, she really, <laughs> I don't know, captured what I guess I envisioned of the character a lot better than Daniel Craig had captured of, a, yeah, the journalist. That's true. Um, like, Daniel Craig, I mean, he kind of played Daniel Craig, I think. He is like a very, like, uh, I got to like kind of like nice, like, you know, he wants to be like gruff on the exterior, but he's always very... <laughs> altruistic and kind and warm to people it seems like and i definitely feel like in the novel that character is a lot more like snarky and sarcastic and kind of aloof above other people like i'm a journalist i know all your secrets (laughs) i mean at no point did i think maybe because i've seen him play bond but no point did i think daniel craig was you know embodying Mikhail's character i was like oh that's daniel craig you know (laughs) he's about to pull out a knife and stab some guy you know (laughs) You know, it is kind of that, I, I hate to say it, but like, you know, sometimes you have a show where like the actor's too good, you know, too big for the role. And this might be kind of a case of that. Eh, I think I liked him pretty well. He seemed like a toned down, kind of like confident, but not like James Bond confident. When he's like face to face with the scary guy, he's very hesitant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. I mean, he doesn't do like a bad job, but. It's just like, I see Daniel Craig and I'm like, oh, he's going to get out of it because he's Daniel Craig, you know? Who's going to kill Daniel Craig in a movie? I mean, he's the protagonist, so it's kind of... I mean, I will grant you, TV, in that in that scene where, like, yeah, he's being, uh, he's falling into the villain's trap. He does seem very vulnerable and helpless. <laughs> like I did. I wasn't sure if he was going to get out of that one, if the lady was going to save him. Like, I guess, yeah, I knew he was going to live from the book, but when I first saw the film, I was like, Jesus Christ, this might be the end for him. I mean, all the... All the other actors, I thought, did great jobs. Um, oh, who plays uh, the old the guy? The old guy that hires him. Yeah. He was really good. Christopher Plummer. Plumer. Christopher Plummer, yeah. He's really cool. I like him. He's very charismatic. He's got a great smile. Stellan Skarsgård, he's good, but I mean, I see him in a movie and I'm like, that's the bad guy. You know, just because. <laughs> That's like the role he gets, you know, typecast in. Well, you know, he's uh, <laughs> he's passed it on to his uh, son, I guess, as well. Oh, yeah. Isn't his son it? Yeah, yeah. That's Pennywise. But like every movie I've seen this guy in besides the Marvel movies where he's a scientist, you know, and he doesn't really sell me as a scientist. <laughs> like, he's the bad guy. He's the villain. Is he Thor and Thor? Is he the Thor guy? Yeah, he's the dude who works with Natalie Portman. He's so funny in that role. Oh, he was awesome in that. I liked him. Yeah, I liked him a lot in that role. Like, I like him there, but like he does fine. I just see him, and I'm like, that's a bad guy. Just because the like the way he moves and talks and stuff, maybe it's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I mean, I can't. I didn't really suspect him at all until the end, and I was like, you know, I should have seen this coming. I like. I I knew how it ended, so that's true. That's probably why I was like, he's a bad guy. That's a bad dude right there. I think he's pretty versatile as an actor. I don't know. I mean, he's been in a ton of a wide range of stuff you know he's kind of a goofy charismatic dude in mama mia he's that crazy scientist in like the marvel universe he's a horrible serial killer in this movie (laughs) (laughs) 
I realize I'm hating a lot, but I'm not saying any of these people are bad actors. I'm just saying, uh, like, I could tell where it was going just from the actors in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Like, who they cast into the role. I could tell Daniel Craig wasn't going to die. I could tell Skarsgård was a bad guy. I don't know. Maybe I think maybe the book might be helping you because, yeah, I was watching it. Like, when Daniel Craig gets in the trap, I was like, he could die here. Like, I don't know. (laughs) He's not like, because, I, you know, there's... Two main characters, really. So, like, if one of them did bite the bullet, like, we still have the other main character. And it's not really clear who exactly we're supposed to follow. I feel like it's more on Daniel Craig's side, but... I do think if you know what's going to happen, there are some kind of cues he has that you're like, hmm, that was ominous. But if you don't know what's going on, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, he's just like a kind of, you know, inheriting this big company from this crazy family. He's a little weird. I thought he was just friends with the other old guy, you know? (laughs) That brings up, you know, the whole discussion where, like, especially with mystery movies are this way. It's like, if you've read the book it's based off of, you're going to judge the movie so much differently than somebody who hasn't read the book, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because if you already see it, if you already know who the killer is, then you're going to be, like, scanning it for clues, you know, like, to you know, hints at this and stuff like that, where someone who hasn't seen it has no, doesn't know who to suspect and is like, doesn't really know. There's clues there when maybe there was and stuff like that. And like mystery movies and books fall to that so much, you know? Because it's like, if you know how it ends because you've read the book, I mean, like there's no twists in it there for you. Mm -hmm. It might take out a little bit of the fun. I think it's hard to do like adaptations of books to film, especially in mystery. Like, um, what was it? I just watched Murder on the Orient Express, which was a good movie. And I love Kenneth Branagh. But like compared to the book, there's so many clues they gloss over and so many character development points that are just completely left out. And I'm like, this feels so empty and shallow by comparison. Whereas if you start like with fresh material, it's less about finding the clues and more about kind of like prisoners, you know, the intensity of the moment of people just trying to get through it. Yeah, it is definitely tough. And like, I don't know how you can make that better, but maybe people would get mad if you changed it, I think too like change the the bad guy people don't like that in gone girl they actually changed the ending for the movie oh did they from the book lame yeah and that's also a david fincher movie and they changed the ending there i just like that you know this is i didn't read the book for that one either maybe this is a theme maybe i should just never read books and just watch the movies because I think the best way to do it, at least for me, I find, is to watch, if I'm gonna, if I was ever interested in a book, but I see a movie's coming out, I'm probably gonna want to watch the movie first and then read the book, because I think once you read the book, yeah, your critical eye becomes such much more bigger, and you're like looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah, you're definitely right, TV. The mystery movies and books, especially, you have your two groups, like the people who know how it's gonna end, and the people who don't know how it's gonna end, and they both view it completely differently. You know? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I did really enjoy this movie the first time I saw it before reading the book. And I still enjoyed it this time, but I guess like I said, it does feel a little thin and kind of almost fast after reading the book. You know, I, I, I do feel like we would be remiss if we didn't, you know, there's that uh Oh. Yeah. I know where you're going. So we gotta talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't trying to avoid it or anything. Nope. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like this movie and even this book and the Swedish one are known specifically for the scene in question in which uh, Lisbeth is raped by her, uh, I guess, like, social worker, I guess is what he is. Like, my girlfriend had never seen this or read the book, but she was like, I know there's this scene. The first time I saw it, I guess, I mean, I was like, 
Jeez, how old was I in 2011? High school. I don't know. I, I watched it alone <laughs> out at my my family's cabin, <laughs> and I mean, I was like shook after seeing it. Like I was like, oh my god! Like I just felt so gross after watching it. I was like, Jesus Christ! It is by far and away the most graphic uh, rape scene I've ever seen in a film. That is the one scene I knew about. I didn't know anything about this like movie or book until this, but I did know, yeah, about this was coming. Which, as a kid, which I guess I would have been sixteen, seventeen the first time around. There, there, there is like some, uh, some, some whatever payback for that. And at the time, I was like, "Yeah, payback. That's right, justice served." But this time around, being a little older, I was like, you know, that really doesn't even begin to like make you feel any better about the whole thing. No. Like, it still happened, and it's not really resolved. So I wonder, I, I don't know like if that's what the film... Because it's not... The, the payback scene is not that intense in the book. I mean, it's very, very, very uncomfortable to watch this happen. Like, especially if there's other people in the room, you're all just kind of, like, looking at it, and you're like, oh, God, is anybody going to say anything? Yeah, this is not one to watch with the parents. I guess I, I'm wondering, you know, why they changed the vengeance scene, if they thought that it would somehow make audiences feel better, or if they wanted to empower the character of Lisbeth more. So as a kid, I definitely felt that way, but now I'm like, this really doesn't change or help anything. Well, I'd be interested to see how that differs between the Swedish version and the American version. Like, I don't know how it differs, but I know American film and your revenge is all like all about revenge. It's like get revenge. It will make you happy, you know, make you deal with the event. Um, It will be like a redemption for your character, you know? Yeah. But other like countries films handle revenge differently. So I would be more interested to see how that deal, how the Swedish version differs from the American version with that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Um, Yeah. Both sides. I kind of feel like it was intended to set her up for like the next film before they, uh, changed everything about it because her whole character is that she's like this feminist vengeance warrior as far as like the trilogy goes i mean they spent so much time developing her character with her like social worker handler too so it's like they had to have that for her character development in this movie and that is a very big character development scene I think from that experience, it's just so uncomfortable to watch it. It really is. Yeah. Yep. So I guess are we ready for overall presentations or anybody got anything else they want to cover? I'm ready to move on. I guess let's knock it out. So like I said, I'd read like three fourths of the book and then I quit, but I looked up how it ended. So I kind of knew how this was going to end, where it was going to go. I was able to pick out, okay, this is the villain. This guy's not going to die. You know, this kind of stuff just, from what I knew about it. And so I think that puts me in a different viewpoint and viewing light than like Terry, who hasn't read the book. But this movie moved so slow compared to like, well, Prisoners moved slow too, but Prisoners had kind of a, a tense, a feeling of dread that moved through it. And that's different from subject matter, but I don't know. I'm going to give this movie a watch it. Like, it's it's definitely worth it. David Fincher is a really good director. I like the way this movie looks. Um, it's got some uncomfortable stuff in it that'll make you feel real weird and nasty after watching it. But I think it is all worth it for the scene between um, your protagonist and your antagonist. 
because that scene is just so well done and so well shot. That's what David Fincher's good at. I got to give it a watch just for that scene. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, themes in this film that we could talk about. I felt like they wanted to set a bunch of stuff up for the full-on trilogy, which isn't happening anymore, which irks me a little bit and that they chose to put in, in my opinion, so much setup stuff. And I, I do think this is kind of, it harkens back to kind of classic mysteries, kind of a whodunit thing, rounding up suspects, getting info, getting clues. Uh, seeing it the first time when I was younger, I was very much like, ah, so many suspects, so many clues. And then reading the book, I was like, oh my God, there's so much more depth to this crazy family. And this time around, I was like, yeah, there's a lot that got left out here. But it's not a bad thing. It's definitely, it's a whole different feel than the book is. The like main characters changed to Daniel Craig, which isn't bad. But yeah, I often, uh, you know, whenever I think of like the buy it, watch it scale, I often think, you know, what's like a movie I'd want to have on hand to like grab my kids and be like, hey kids, let's watch this classic. <laughs> I gotta say, this probably isn't one. <laughs> you know? <sighs> like I I don't know who I'd be watching it with or for besides myself. <laughs> I'm not really one to just grab a film like this and just watch it alone on a Saturday night. So uh and for that reason I think kind of like with prisoners, because I, I would just have to give it a watch it. Just because it's not one that I would want to watch over and over and over. <laughs> Mostly because of the singular uh, uncomfortable subject matter scene, which is it's really heavy. I mean it's pretty brutal. Definitely kind of brace yourself if you're going in for that. So I'm going to give it a watch it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this except for the scene that we've elaborated on earlier. Um, I didn't know any of the mystery. I didn't know what they were going to be investigating or any of the suspects or anything. And so I was pretty surprised with the outcome, even though with hindsight, maybe it was a little obvious because he's the only dude around. But I think this movie would be a lot better spaced out like if netflix bought the rights and made like a original series and hired dave fincher to do a tv show for them like because i want to know more about these characters like i want to know all these relationships but this movie just doesn't have enough time for it and to be fair it's two and a half hours long so they'd be really pushing it if they kept <laughs> trying to dig into those um but the acting's really good i think the characters are cool once they do intersect it gets a little weird for me but the mystery itself is enough to like keep me invested i think and yeah once the climax of the movie hits it's like ooh, this is intense this is cool this is what i've been waiting for so i'm gonna give it a watch it i, I liked it i thought it was pretty good i'm kind of sad they didn't make another one with david fincher i guess okay well there you have it that rounds out to a, a watch it from all, all three of us at three dudes reviews hey. yeah not bad yeah not bad so yeah we're on a good streak <laughs> doing good the girl with the dragon tattoo the uh, american version is I'll watch it. What, what are we doing next week? Oh, okay. So I've decided to pick Deep Red. Oh. It's a Dario Argento. I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to look it up. All right. Sounds good to me. I'm excited to watch it. So, yeah, make sure to tune in next time for Deep Red. I guess this is Three Dudes Reviews. Thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. Um, we are signing off. Mm-hmm.